0: Hey folks, Zach Ostrom here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It's Thursday, August 24th, 2023. This is Mind Your Banners for that date, I suppose, um, if the Library of Congress is looking to ar- archive this at some point. Um, and it's an in-person Mind Your Banners. Um, Mike, you're here. What, what do you think of the, the Mind Your Banners Studio South?
1: It's it's nice. With, it's the, nice.
0: with the, the signed Liverpool jersey from one of the most forgettable seasons of the last 20 years.
1: I could not name a single player.
0: Uh, to be fair, a lot of Liverpool fans probably couldn't. That really was a, a very forgettable season. And then, of course, the outcast. I like the Polaroid camera. Yeah, that, that one's not mine. I think that's for the kids. This was a Tom Glavin-signed baseball until my son handed it to the dog.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah,
0: it is what it is. We, we are where we are. <laughs> um, we are where we are nine days, nine days, basically, from game day. Uh, for Indiana at this point, we know Indiana has a quarterback. I would imagine to a large extent Indiana probably has a a an established first team. Tom Allen is not sharing much of that with us um, and you know the 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 merits of that are a separate debate, but I think it is it is fair to say at the very least that it feels like Tom Allen has seen enough to feel like he knows what his best is, whether his best is enough to do what he wants this year. I think he at least seems confident that he's got kind of the idea of, you know, these are my ones or maybe my, you know, like places like offensive defensive line, my ones and twos. These are the guys that need to perform for us. These are the guys that might come along for us. Um, I suppose that certainty is not the worst thing at this time of year.
1: Yeah. And I posted a per- Prediction for the whole depth chart, uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Um, com. That's correct. And the offense was, I felt, much easy outside of quarterback, uh, was much easier to uh, go through and say, feel confident as well um, about who are the starters. Um, I think it's uh, pretty clear in terms of separation who they've got. And I even think they've got some guys, you know, running back and wide receiver beyond that starting group that are going to get reps and rotation that they feel really good about. Like Dequise Carter, I think he's like slightly behind Cameron Perry because he came in late, but he's going to get a lot of reps. He's so he's on, he's uh, gained yeah, fast. Yeah. And he's going to, so he's like the second team, but that's a, that's a good, uh, you know, guy to have on your second team running back feel the same way. You know, I label Jalen Lucas as the starter, even though I think it's more of a three-headed kind of deal that they're gonna all get reps, and Jalen Lucas is gonna do a bit of everything. Um, You know, he's gonna be featured in all in all sorts. Um, So, you know, you got Josh Henderson and Christian Turner there, and so you know, I think that's a place where you could put Or next to those names. So defensively, I think it's a little more open, um, especially in the back end. You know, that secondary. Um, I think is going to, you know, especially at corner, I, I think you could see some guys kind of come in and come out. And then, um, you know, the starting pairing uh, in week one against Ohio State in four weeks, I think that could look different just because they've got some young pieces, some transfers they're working into the mix. Uh, same thing with safety where like Philip Dunham, I'm not sure he starts out the season as a starter, but I could see easily him at midseason uh, being the guy. So I think you're right in terms of guys separating themselves. I don't think it was too much – you know, I don't think it required too much guesswork on the team, but uh, outside of quarterback, where I, you know, I picked Taven Jackson, but I mean, I made it clear I, that's just what my spe- you know speculation is, um, and you know, I, I could easily seeing being fifty fifty, and then it going the other way, you know, in week one that uh, Soresby's the guy.
0: I would say um, it feels kind of silly to speculate like who the starting quarterback is when there actually is one, and we just can't definitively say it here. But what I, I, I wrote about this in, in talking points, um, my newsletter. That I don't know if we need a better name for it or not. We'll figure it out as time goes on. Because
1: um, you, you're not talking.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's 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 supposed to writing, your it's supposed to it's your writing. Points. You or the IU fan. It's, it's your talking, talking points. Point? It's and your you're talking points them? to take okay. back to your office or your family. Uh, like
1: water cooler discussion. On yeah, the, yeah,
0: but calling it like water cooler points. Just, uh, yes, yes, you know, but that, you're not talking. That feels or, like something you Maybe get, you should read
1: it and like, like an like audio how, version of it for people. There you go. That
0: That's, could work. That water could. cooler points sounds like basically earning the right to stand up from your desk at work. Like your, your boss, <laughs> you have to earn that. a certain amount of water cooler points. You have to sit at your desk all day. One thing I did talk about in there is <laughs> Only three times in the last 13 seasons has Indiana named a starter at the beginning of the year and had that player start every single game all year long. 2010 Ben Chapel did it, 12 games, 12 starts, 2013 or 2016. Richard Lego did it, 13 games 13 starts, 2018 Peyton Ramsey did it 12 games, 12 starts. every other year for either performance or injury or basically in every single case, both. Indiana's Which had to use not, multiple not quarterbacks,
1: ideal. and they've used six in the last two years. Yeah, so I mean, it, I mean it, that's a lot of quarterbacks. That's too many quarterbacks.
0: It is, and and it you know, and listen, it, it obviously all this is affected now too by the portal and by the, the 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 movement that quarterbacks can have, but like,
1: but the injuries they have gotten unlucky with injuries on top of the portal of it all. Yes, and yeah. it's
0: and it's been. I mean, if we go back far enough, it's been Trey Roberson breaking his leg against UMass. It's Nate Sudfeld's shoulder against. I think that was. Penn, either Penn State or maybe Maryland. No, it was Iowa. That's who it was. It was Iowa. And then they put in a freshman who immediately tore his ACL in the same game. I mean, that's
1: bad luck. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you and you have some of that, and that's what leads to bad seasons. I but think like, you know, six, six is a lot. I think you're going to see four. I mean, like two a year I think is going to be pretty standard for most teams now with the transfer portal because you're trying to get guys – up and ready to be ready when a guy transfers or leaves, or maybe to just give them enough give opportunities them. so that they they don't, they don't leave. leave. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that's standard. But I mean, when you talk about losing multiple guys over a two-year span to injury, I mean that's that's unlucky.
0: It is, but the point is, it's you know. You need Let's call. say it's Taven Jackson. History tells us you're going to need Brendan Sorsby, too. History tells us you may need Dexter Williams. And the way Tom Allen keeps talking about him, I think Tom Allen thinks he's going to need Dexter Williams at some point. Like, there's there's yeah. not even just this sort of theoretical, like, oh, yeah, he'll probably be ready during the season. Like, Tom Allen clearly has
1: something in focused
0: point. in his yeah. mind the idea that Dexter Williams is going to be on the field for him at some point this season. And that may be at least in part because Tom Allen has literally gone through the last four years, even the good ones, he names Michael Penix a starter in twenty nineteen. Michael Penix misses, goes out in the Maryland game. He missed the Ohio State game. I think he missed the Rut. No, he played against Rutgers, but he was he was injured by the end of the season. He didn't play in the bowl game twenty twenty. He tears his ACL again. And then you mentioned the last two years, like even in the better years, Indiana has not been able to avoid quarterback issues, quarterback health issues, and so like you are going to have to. Make sure multiple guys are ready.
1: In terms of competitions, how you've been here a little bit, how does this one compare to past ones? You know, I don't have that context. You know, is it weird because they're both redshirt freshmen and they're both – That's the difference. The uh, the upside you – know, you you're not really sure what the upside is for both of them versus each other. Like is that uh, – you know, Penix probably came in with a little more upside, right?
0: Yeah, I mean like it's it, that's the different one. So like it, there was the – you know, the, Kevin Wilson's first year was kind of this open competition and, and quite frankly just between health and performance nobody ever really won it. Trey Roberson was a freshman. He got it at the end. Indiana was kind of getting wiped out every week anyway, so it didn't really matter who quarterback was. The next year it was going to be Roberson with Nate Sudfeld, who's still in the NFL. Um, it was a true freshman. He was an early enrollee. They wanted to redshirt him. And then Roberson breaks his leg the first game of the season. And so then they went to this rotation of Cam Camper, who was a Juco transfer in Sudfeld. The year after that, they rotated between Sudfeld and Roberson, but those are two completely different quarterbacks. One's a pro-style you know, stand up, six five, pocket passer, and other ones. I mean, he plays cornerback now. Yeah, um, he's he's incredibly athletic and 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 dynamic. Um, you know, when it was Penix and Peyton Ramsey, you know, that was much more kind of. I mean, we we've all seen what Michael Penix became for Indiana and then Washington. That was much more, as you said, just like kind of a hype thing and everybody knew Penix was going to be really good and even, it feels like
1: there's not i mean like this i mean they got the same age there's not much in their games i mean david jackson's a little more athletic yeah but it's not it's, like it's not, not like, like a proto- a, he's not like a dexter williams where he's going to run around all the place right exactly and So it's just very weird and that there's not one guy with more experience <laughs> so it's like there's no sort of thing will you fall back on. Well, it's not gonna, even
0: like i mean soresby only got to indiana Last June. I mean, it's not even like he's had two full spring camps, which is so much like what they, you know, what coaches talk about with quarterbacks is if you can enroll early, that makes such a big difference. Maybe not in playing as a true freshman but that means you get two. Well, they're lucky
1: Jackson was able to enroll early here because otherwise this competition probably would have had a lot of different feel. That's true. Um, you know, Swordsby would have had a huge advantage. Um, but, yeah, it's a very strange competition in terms of, like, there's no thing to lean back on where you say, well, the guy with experience is going to get, it, or, oh, the guy who's way more athletic. I mean, like I said, Jackson's a little more athletic, and I think he fits with what they want to do. But, I mean, there's and, not much of a difference between even, them.
0: And even then – and I'm listening I mean I've seen Davin Jackson play in high school and I think he can run the ball well. But I know I've I've made this comparison or this 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 reference to you and I think I've made it just in general on this podcast before, like Paul Johnson used to get asked all the time about basically are you worried your quarterback's getting hit so much and he'd always say, No one ever asked me if my running backs are getting hit so much. Yeah. If you teach a quarterback to protect himself in the open field the way a running back does, how to dispel contact, how to deliver a blow, how to, you know, how to win to run out of bounds and that kind of stuff, then it shouldn't be that much bigger of an issue. We haven't seen either of these guys in live tackling situations. I mean, Peyton mm-hmm. Ramsey and Michael Penix were night and day different as runners because Penix was really good in the open field, but Ramsey, who had run the ball a lot more in high school, if you looked at his numbers, was clearly a much more comfortable running quarterback. He understood, okay, this is when I go down, this is how I slide when the contact's coming. Here's how I sort of brace myself so it doesn't it doesn't hit me as hard, like that kind of stuff. We haven't even seen these guys do that. There may we, there may be one of them that's just a a much more sort of natural runner than the other one, maybe not just like point to point speed, but and like you, your feel for
1: it. Tom and Tom M- Allen mentioned decision making when you're running a lot of these read option stuff, which guy is just more mentally prepared or more mentally comfortable with pulling down the ball and actually running, because so, you have to do both. You can't just always pass. Um, and we haven't seen that because, like you know, in the periods we see, they don't get tackled, so it's really not—it's not the same decision, right? Like you could tuck a ball in practice and decide to run because you're never going to get hit. Um, but in you know, in the games, it's going to be much different. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I it it like I said, I think it's fifty-fifty in terms of like I, I could e- I could easily see either of them being the guy, uh, um, you know, in, in, what, nine days, like you said.
0: I also think, I mean, when you talk about decision-making, we've seen, I think we're. I think everyone recognizes now we've seen some of this option stuff carrying over from the end of last season. That's big decision-making for a quarterback. W- you know, are you making your right reads when you leaving the ball in, let's call it for conventional terms, the fullback's
1: You can't be scared to take it, though. You can't be scared to keep it. Scared. Scared. You can't be scared
0: to pull in the contact to make the pitch work if you're right. running a true triple option you may have to sell out and play chicken and wait until the absolute last or minute Or you can't always
1: want to get rid of the to ball make... to avoid that contact right. cuz that could lead to all sorts or of or even problems. frankly
0: decision making in terms of you get downfield a little bit
1: can you still pitch it you hold out hope well or do
0: you have blockers in front of you can you read yes. blockers like yeah. do you, i mean like you know if can you turn a a 4 yard gain into a 12 yard gain because you you see you understand what a developing seam looks like when you're tied in releases and gets downfield and you've got him working with a, a, a receiver against a safety or something like there's I asked really- you
1: this question um, I think off the podcast but I'm car- I, I don't know if you gave me a definitive answer I know I know we'll talk more about this Ohio State game next week but would you show everything against Ohio State or wait till Louisville
0: yeah I, I probably would keep I mean I think I think part of that would probably be game state frankly like i would show everything to ohio state if it was 35 31 indiana in the second half with uh, four minutes to go and if i converted a first down they were out of timeouts i would then i would start pulling out whatever you can whatever i thought was the right thing and i don't think you go too vanilla in the sense that the flip side is i know you don't want
1: to you don't want to set yourself up to lose by even well or or Uh, even uh, more
0: but not just that there's also listen you've if you're Indiana, yes, it's a it's a pain to be playing Ohio State first, but you've got to try and take what opportunity there is there. One of them is that you do get to play probably the best team, certainly one of the two best teams on your schedule right away, you get a good hard look at what you're good at, where you need to improve. If there's stuff that you've been working on that you think like, actually, we, we think this might work and maybe nobody knows about yeah. it well, do you want to hold it for Louisville or would you like to run it against Ohio State? Because if, if it works against Ohio State, even if Louisville knows it's coming, it may still work.
1: I just view it as like the season comes down. Like I think that Louisville game is very pivotal to how the season turns out. I agree out. with that. And so, you know, y- 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 you're not expected to beat – Ohio State obviously and they obviously have a significant talent advantage so it's just it's just a it's just an interesting element to that uh, part of the season opener you got the new quarterback do you bust out at all and or I mean, or do you try to build confidence? But I mean, can you like if nothing works, doesn't work, do you set yourself up for failure in the next couple of weeks, or can you build it back against Indiana State? I just thought that was an interesting element to sort of because, like I said, I think Week Three, you win that game. What they haven't won a non-conference game since 2018 against Virginia um, at Louisville. You know, obviously at the Jeff Brom of it all. He had very uh, good success against Tom Allen, but I, I, you know, journeyman quarterback. Uh, you know, going away from Malik Cunningham, who's really. What kept them both eligible three out of the last four years? Um, just an interesting element to that game.
0: It's going to be interesting, just like first five weeks. I mean, like, the, even the Akron, Akron, Akron game, the Akron game, I know Akron the last two or three years has not been great in the MAC, but like they're not people- been great.
1: I just looked it up uh, the other day when I was doing the game, but I think they've won. Like two. Four or like, five games over the last like four years or yeah, something. Yeah, okay. That.
0: I thought it was like two conference games in the last two years or something. It, it's, it, but it's not but bad there are at people all. who watch that conference that think
1: They're the, a uh, lot
0: a lot closer than I do. Well, jo, G, that, I mean
1: the Joe Moorhead obviously hiring yeah. know, sets them up a little differently and you know they're they're but I mean they are obviously behind the eight ball right now, just trying to build you know, get out of a very significant hole.
0: Yeah. And that is a conference where you can get rich quick. Um yeah. the Mac. I mean, I don't know if the I don't know if the portal has changed some of that 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 calculus or not. Um, some other positions, I guess. It's hard. I mean, I actually think we could probably and and I mean, you did take a real stab at a, a pretty comfortable stab at that starting offensive line. I think you're going to see Matthew Bedford there, Mike Kadick there, yes. Zach that there?
1: Benson and then yeah, Smith, Khalil
0: yeah. Benson, yeah, and then and then I mean Carter Smith is a fascinating. I mean, I I know you don't know his backstory, but he was a four-star tackle out of Ohio, one of the best programs in Ohio. Um, also played volleyball like at a really high level in high school. Oh, wow. I think he was an all-state player um, in volleyball, so really athletic and a guy that you know one of a number of freshmen on both lines that I think Indiana was really excited about last year and. Probably correctly held him back a little bit. Nick James on that defensive line is is another one where it's probably right to hold him back, to hold his red shirt and and give him an extra year. But a, a player that I'm very curious about kind of just how quickly he can flatten the learning curve a little bit. But the point is that offensive line, I mean, we can talk about some depth pieces, but you do feel like with the exception of maybe like one player, like maybe Smith, maybe somebody else, but like you feel like, the group is kind of the group there, and it's going to be a lot well, more Well, yeah, and about Carter's been that, there
1: the whole – I mean, I don't know if he was there the entire spring, like if he started out there, but, I mean, he's been he's there. He's done a little guard, too, but uh, tackle is what he was Smith in was – but, I mean, Smith was the starting uh, tackle of the entire fall camp yeah. the, on the left side. So, I mean, there was not a minute where he was not with that first team. It's so.
0: much more to me about just basically how that group has – you know, like on the defensive line, we're going to talk about transfers. We're going to talk yeah. about different body types so that the line – with respect to some of the depth, adding someone like Max Longman or Bray Lynch coming up a little bit, you know, growing up as a young player, it feels much more like that group. It's going to be about how they've responded to Bob Bostad and 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 the, the improvement there.
1: But you get your – I mean, I don't think you can understate how important it is when you lose your best player on the line in the first game, That's and fair. he's back and he's fully healthy. Like there was no camp camper blue jersey on on Matthew Bedford during the, during no. the fall. So no. he's fully back um and you know that's you know you add him it's like getting a transfer and and so uh you know all the rest of the guys were here last year um and that interior that they've been going with in in the fall they started the last three games together last year so they kind of got a head start so you mentioned you know they it's it's interesting where the defensive lines relying on transfers right all over the offensive lines, more transfers in that second group that have kind of bolstered the depth. Max Longman is working at guard and can kind of play both, you know, really almost any position on the, on the line. And, you know, he's kind of the depth piece, I think, um, behind that group that, I mean, I I think should be improved. Like you said, if Carter Smith's the real deal, uh, you get Bedford back. I mean, that looks better than it did last year.
0: It does. And, then you also i mean i i i don't want to make it sound like i think indiana is about to just like turn into like an option team but i i am fascinated that a head coach who for 6 years kept saying we got to run the ball better we got to run the ball better and then you know charged his offensive coordinators with throwing it all over the field it does suddenly feel like indiana's about to commit to a designed run game in a very different way you've got an offensive line coach that has a lot of success in his past. One of the most fascinating things I find about Bob Bostad is like he was a really good offensive line coach. Then he went and coached inside linebackers, a completely different position, and had a lot of success, <laughs> and then went back to offensive line. And like didn't he
1: coach tight ends, too, for a while, I think? I think maybe correct. in the NFL yeah, he yeah, did. So. But, like, at Wisconsin, he was like, OL yeah, co- right. OL coach. But, was, but the point is, he's gone to multiple positions and just been a good, it's, good coach. It, it's <laughs> maybe
0: just more like he's a good football mind who connects with players. Right, right. And you've got, again, this stable of running backs. And, frankly, a quarterback situation that probably necessitates some run game. The option, if you can do it right, and especially with a player like Jalen Lucas, it can take the it can relieve some of the pressure on an offensive line.
1: Well, yeah, because if you're dropping back 50 times a throw a game, I mean, and you're getting yeah. crushed, I mean, your offensive line is just in a bad spot. I mean, if you're just putting them behind the but ball. But you're letting them move you're around, tiring them out. Like, yeah, if you're getting out front pushing people or trying to, um, you can get in a, in a groove and I think build up some confidence, especially, you know, that might be tough to do week one, but Indiana State, that's a game where, you know, your offensive line should be feeling good. You're going to try to get them in a rhythm going forward.
0: And so, again, I come back to kind of this idea that maybe there's some other spots on the field, and especially that defensive line where the talk, let's say three weeks in, is going to be these new players, what have they done well, you, I don't know if you saw
1: my tweet. So I did that depth chart, and so of the nine – all nine players I had on the two deep were transfers either this year or last year. Last year and, yeah. and then the, like the list of schools they came from, it's like Texas. So it's like Texas tech, Ole Miss Oregon. I mean, just like an insane, yeah. like that if, if there's a representation of the transfer pool, indiana's defensive line is it and i mean almost well i think like six or seven of those guys were just this year uh the only guy that's not from a power five program in that group was andre carter and he probably has the highest upside which is like the interesting uh uh, it's just a i mean like if you want to see what a a team trying to flip a position in a short term like indiana's doing it on the defensive line like they're trying to rebuild that whole thing in essentially almost a year's time
0: and it's it's interesting to me, too, because if you go back three, four years, you know, listen, when you're Indiana and you got high-level college talent, all-conference, all-American talent, you just take it where you can get it. I'm not saying this was necessarily by design. Indiana just recruited players that thought it could turn into good players, and some of them did. But, you know, you look at Tom Allen's defenses from 2018 to 2020 when they were obviously operating at a really high level. I mean, the... the the beating heart of those defenses was the secondary, and it wasn't like Indiana had bad players in the front six, certainly a linebacker Michael McFadden, cam Jones, Thomas Allen, Tom Allen's Son was a really solid, just kind of, you know, basically flex player that could do either position really smart player when when he was healthy. Um, but it always felt like the defense started with that secondary. And you know Jalen Williams, Jamar Johnson, Devon Matthews, Taiwan Mullen, guys like that and that's not obviously conventional. Like conventional defense is you control the line of scrimmage, you force teams into bad down and distance situations, you pressure the passer, and that's how, you know, that's how you have success. Indiana was almost kind of doing it the other way just because of how good relative to the whole thing, the back end of its defense was. It feels like that line is kind of doubly pivotal because if this is going to work this year, it has to be more conventional. It has to be more that front four, maybe front five, if you want to put one of those lines. Because Indiana will blitz a lot. Of, will will run a lot of linebacker blitzes. You know, if you want to call it a front five, that group has got to be able to match up against the teams Indiana's got to beat to get to a bowl game.
1: And I wonder if a shift happens because you you know before. When you're out of Indiana, you're probably uh, recruiting on a defensive line undersized guys that you can put weight on and then develop, and that's sort of now impossible to do, um, And but now you can get guys that are the right size immediately and sort of pinpoint, you know, he's talked a lot about length and size, you can get that out of the transfer portal college ready sort of players that are that size where you can't really do that out of high school especially at a school like indiana where you're going to probably have to you're not going to get the best six, five, 300 three pound guy those are going to you know michigan's ohio state's alabama now you can get some of those bigger size guys that are ready to play college football where you couldn't before because you're trying to develop guys on the defensive line
0: no i think i think that's fair um i'm just kind of fascinated to see what it looks like because it's been a really long time i know i mentioned this to you the last time indiana had a double digit and i'm not saying you just need a guy to get you 12 sacks it's not that alone is not and well, they had a steep a
1: drop year. off i mean if you look at the numbers when they won you know 2020 they led the big 10 in sacks and then the next year they were dead last so yeah. Uh, yeah and they were second to last i think last year with like 17 and 14 the year before that that's just not enough quarterback pressure simply i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter one guy has t- i mean they need more pressure i mean need to develop more pressure
0: and you also have to be able to bottle up a run game that you know you were able to count on the michael mcfadden's and the i mean you know mcfadden tackled everything i always loved like uh his his sophomore year he i think he led the big 10 in tackles and yet a lot of people still complained about all the tackles he missed and it said yes but he was there like not only did he lead the big 10 in tackles he was also there for all the ones he barely missed like you don't do you not understand how good this player is Indiana was able to count on that security blanket a little bit in a way that it's, it's you know, I think Aaron Case is a good player. I'm, I'm intrigued by Jacob mangum Ferrar the Stanford transfer. I think he's had some really good moments in the preseason. But I don't know that you have that player that you can just sort of say, he stops everything, you know, nothing, nothing gets through, and so we don't have to worry about explosive runs and things like that. You need that defensive line. Again, Ohio State's kind of its own thing. Like, I, th- I think if it, – it, it, I know you never want to admit defeat before a game starts, but I like if if privately, if I'm Tom Allen, I'm looking at Ohio State as just like whatever positives we take, we take, and then we're done. You know, and we we hope we stay healthy. You never want to get anybody hurt. But whatever positives we can get out of that, great, and then we don't have to worry about Ohio State again the yeah. whole rest of the year. But then from there, you know, Indiana State, and then you've mentioned Louisville, then there's the Maryland game. It's what? It's Maryland, then Michigan on the road, and so then the, the point is first half of the season, you get your toughest home game and your toughest road game out of the way. You've got two, depending on Akron, maybe three swing games you could possibly compete for, and then the second half of your season, Rutgers at home, Michigan State at home, Illinois on the road, where I think you've won your last two visits. Don't know what Purdue's going to be with the first-year coach and everything that's going on up in West Lafayette.
1: Did you mention Rutgers?
0: Yeah, Rutgers is the, Rutgers is the home game oh, yeah, to yeah, begin yeah. the second half yeah, of the yeah. schedule. So, like, the it just kind of like you can set yourself up, but it does feel like you need some stuff that's going to be consistent from day one on that defense. And that line looks like your best bet because of the, you know, the pedigree you've talked about, because of the experience of some of these guys. Because it's just, I mean, frankly, the body types. And I know it sounds silly to say that. And people say, well, Ohio State, you know, media never talk about like body types. It's like, well, yeah, because Ohio State always has a guy who's got like. You know the plus twelve wingspan, and he's he's three hundred and ten pounds, and he's a better athlete than like I don't know Michael Johnson. But like it it you know it, it at places like Indiana, sometimes you do have to make a concerted effort to say we need more wingspan, we need more reach, we need. Well, and Tom more. Allen
1: said it. He said they just weren't big enough, simply yeah. on the line, I and so like that yeah. has to translate.
0: And yeah. if it does, then I think Indiana could have a good defense this year. If it doesn't, I think you've got too much inexperience and too many holes in other places.
1: So, what do you think the biggest question mark is? right
0: now on defense or just in general just in general i mean i think it's just quarterback i i I don't like it. just in in the basic sense that again even if even if indiana even if even if indiana's gonna run a lot of option stuff well the quarterback's still got a lot of decisions to make there again like you know let's say you want to run two back triple option even if it's out of the gun out of the spread quarterback's got to read the end of the line he's got to decide when it goes in the middle when he pulls it he's got to read you know his keys on the outside did they roll an extra defender down is you know who's who is basically on him and how long can he hold the ball before he pitches it can he make that defender miss all those kinds of things and whoever's running that is not somebody who's been running it for for, for 4 years you know yeah. you didn't again when you when you think about like the you know the 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 most prominent sort of option based offenses of the last few years you'd have a a Georgia Tech, you'd have an Army, a Navy, you know, wherever Willie Fritz was, and then I guess to some extent, although he kind of went away from it more toward the end, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, um, you know, a lot of those quarterbacks had been in those those offenses for years. Yeah. In some cases, they were even targeted as recruits out of high school because of what they were doing in high school. You know, whoever's doing it for Indiana this year, if that is, if I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but if that is a substantial portion of kind of the, the run game – that's still a lot of decision making a quarterback's going to have to make. And it's really easy to start making mistakes there when the game starts moving fast. And so I, I just I think the inexperience at quarterback is such a big piece of this for me.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious how quickly they'd pivot. You know, if it's not working, you know, you, you know some coaches are stubborn. Some coaches want to stick to things that they want to, you know, do. Or, you know, with young quarterbacks, do you, you feel like they're going to get better quickly? Um, I think it's going to be sort of uh, interesting.
0: I, I do think the, the other thing I would say is, just generally speaking, I do think you have to. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe this is an obvious statement. Maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm just sort of like stating something everyone just sees and doesn't feel needs to be said out loud. I do think you have to be careful about like not overreacting to Ohio State on the other side with your quarterbacks, because I yeah. think if if you throw your starter out there, whoever it is, and they struggle, they come off the field, they're sixteen for forty a couple turnovers. Well, I don't
1: think you can switch quarterbacks in week one. I think you, you have to go with the you, guy.
0: Yeah, because yeah. you're telling – you're immediately telling – You're immediately telling to walk, look over your shoulder. You well, and him. even more fundamentally than that, you're immediately telling your team that what happened against Ohio State is going to define what happened in your yeah. mind, what ha- is going to ha- what ha- define what happens all season. Yeah. And it just can't. It never
1: I mean, if can you put them in and they're down 40 at five minutes to go and you just want to get a guy a couple steps, that's one thing.
0: Or if he's a little banged up or something. Yeah, but, yeah. But,
1: but I'm saying, like, if things aren't going well and you open the second half – down 20 and then you go with the different quarterback you can't do that I think then that's that's a sign where things aren't going well I mean obviously it's a sign things are going bad things aren't going like you know you here, <laughs> it sets a bad precedent for the rest of the season and could ruin a young quarterback sort of confidence and and really hurt the team so I think they got to be careful so whoever they picked I think is your quarterback you know essentially for the first three weeks of the season then you can kind of try to reevaluate. I think you have to give them a chance um, or maybe even the first four weeks because that balance is a little out, you know, with Akron in there as well. But um, don't you like if you're picking if Tavon or so whoever's the guy has got to be for for at least you know maybe even all of September. I you think that, no, played.
0: I think I think that's fair. I mean, again, you have those swing games in September that you need to win. So I guess you don't want to be like maybe too reckless about it. But in in the same breath, like you you have to tell your players that position battles mean something. And you also you're going into this knowing whoever you're getting is is unpolished. Like, you you right, are acknowledging f- the from yeah. the beginning. And, like, listen, Tom Allen even said in the offseason, before Indiana knew Dexter Williams would be as far along in his rehabilitation as he was, they made a really big deal out of getting Taven Jackson out of the portal, and they should have. He was an elite 11 quarterback. He played at Center Grove, two-time high school state champion, all that kind of stuff. But, like, they made no attempt to get a more experienced player to to compete with him. You know, Tom Allen said, and we talked to him at Huber at the end of May, um, basically they'd gone in looking for a backup that, that, you know, like the comparison he made is like NFL teams. There's always, there's always a a guy who's thrown a bunch of passes in the NFL. Who's comfortable coming in to backup. Whoever, you know, you have um, like, 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 I don't know. I'm a Falcons fan. Desmond Ritter is a starting quarterback for the Falcons. Everyone knows that they signed Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke knows he's coming in as the number two, and that unless something goes really wrong with Desmond Ritter, he's going to stay the number two. There are guys in the NFL that will do that. There aren't guys in the portal that are like, oh, sure, I'll just go ahead and go there, knowing I probably won't play, that I'm just an insurance policy. But the point is, Tom Allen said out loud, the only thing we were really looking for was an insurance policy. So he's known since the spring that this was going to be who he was picking from. If that's the case, and that's fine, I'm not even second guessing that I'm, because you don't know who's interested in the portal and at some point you can start to get too portal happy and then guys start to say, well why, why would I go there? You'll recruit right over me within you know six weeks or whatever. But the point is you went into this eyes wide open knowing whoever you pick is going to be very inexperienced, very raw and is going to need time and you can't you know for, for a lot of reasons, you just you have to be patient with that person.
1: What, is this team, in terms of like trying to predict how they're going to finish or their outlook? Is um, it feel like there's more upside and downside to the team than, than normal? I guess I don't know. Like I think if things go right for this team, um, you know they can make a bowl and or, or even finish with seven wins. And I, I, I think it's as easily to envision them finishing with four wins. You know, I, I, I don't know. is that Does that feel like that way to you? And is it is it like that every year? Or, like, or is it more? I, I'm I think kind of it's curious.
0: I think it's gotten that way a little bit more in the portal era. I mean, like Indiana did have that run from like 2018 to 2020 where over three seasons they got a lot of guys. They played them young. They stayed together. They didn't leave. And that was a little bit sort of like the portal was a thing, but we were still sort of figuring out like the one-time transfer rule. So it was 2019. 2019- Nineteen like a shock? Oh, no, no. I mean, it was a shock in the sense that they won basically every coin toss game they could have that year. It wasn't a shock in the sense that you were able to look at that team in the preseason and say they went five and seven the last two years. All these kids have grown up.
1: So they were close. They were. They yeah. Were, they yeah. were. They were. So then, was the drop off after twenty more surprising? Yes,
0: that because because it felt like. You know, all these kids are back for another year. You're going to get more time with them because of COVID. Michael Penix is going to be healthy again. This all worked last year, and I don't think there was this kind of this national perception that people Indiana thought that people thought Indiana fans thought they were going to win the Big Ten East. Virtually every Indiana fan I talked to thought, "Listen, let's just get to another bowl game. Three yeah, bowl let's games just in keep a row. The,
1: keep the let's consolidate. Good vibes going. Yeah, yeah let's just yeah, keep yeah. building momentum yeah,
0: yeah. and." If that team had gone like five and seven, I don't think it would have felt like such a system shock. It was that it just like literally everything that could go wrong did. And it was almost the complete opposite of 2019. They they lost every coin toss. They had every bad break instead of every good break. They played all the wrong teams at all the wrong times. And it all just imploded. I mean, by the end of the year, they'd only scored more than one offensive touchdown in one Big Ten game. This is like
1: almost like a fork in the road. And a lot of people have called it that for Tom Allen in terms of like, which way is your program going? Um, Because because if if you go
0: to a bowl this year, it's, well, you had a really unexpected bad year in 2021, but then last year you went four and eight, you won one of your trophy games. You might've won another one if your quarterback hadn't suffered this like freak injury. And then this year, you know, you go from two wins to four wins to bowl game. There's obvious progress again. And you've shown that your portal recruiting, you know, formula can work and yada, yada, yada. But if you go three and nine, then it's like, well, it feels like it's kind of stalling out.
1: So even though, but is five and seven a success?
0: That's a good question. I think it would. I mean, like, like I, I don't.
1: And it probably depends on what the five wins are and yeah. and, and what progress the quarterbacks show yeah, or the, your defense shows.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And then you know, because it's not you know,
1: I mean, a lot of teams would would automatically that would be a bad year. Automatically, you know, I, I think it'd be hard to dismiss that five and seven would be automatic bad year for this program. When you have some young the the young pieces on offense, and you're trying but then to slowly work with right like,
0: um, almost immediately, like well, what if what, what if, if, going, if go- from leave? Yeah. You know, can you can you keep this kind of newly robust NIL setup that, that creates the opportunities to keep a Jalen Lucas or you know to, to keep some of these guys in the fold? Um, yeah, I mean, I think fork in the road year does feel a little bit. And people always ask me, and and I don't, I hate getting into like hot seat talk because it feels so speculative. Um, But people ask me, and I understand why, like, is Tom Allen in serious trouble? And I say, I don't think he is this year because the buyout is still very coach-friendly through next season. But there's always...
1: I mean, you can always there's, get yourself in serious trouble if you don't win any games. Well, right? and there's and there's
0: also there's also always kind I've of seen these...
1: Virginia Tech lose to old Dominion on the road. I know you can <laughs> sometimes you don't sense trouble and then it's there and that, or you're losing to Liberty at home and then you're like this person is in very much trouble. So I mean you lose it you lose that Indiana State game. Yeah. You know, you're talking, you know, trouble can manifest itself in within the season, but it doesn't feel like you said it's like, you know, I saw him on a list of hot seats the other day, but like
0: But there can be you know job security and job approval and if you this may be your last chance to win the approval of your fan base back in terms of at very least proving that you can operate on like the pat fitzgerald cycle where and i'm you know set everything that's going <laughs> <Northwestern and laughs> on that's a very
1: different, different cycle now but, not but
0: like you know they'd have like three years in bowl games and then two years where they'd win like eight games in two seasons and then they go to bowl games for like four years and then they dip again and they'd go like one and 11 and three and nine and five and seven and then they go to another couple bowl games and the point was like even there's this perception that i think a lot of programs in the big 10 not just indiana had of northwestern which is oh they have all the same challenges we do but they go to a bowl game every year and it's like well they don't they basically operate on these like boom and bust cycles yeah and that's probably the I will say the best you can do, but it's probably not far off at a school that's perennially kind of having to punch up in a conference like the Big Ten, even more so going forward with expansion. Um, and I think people just kind of didn't realize, like, you know, I mean, even like Mark D'Antonio at times could be a little bit down and then back up and then down and then yeah. back up.
1: Well, Mel Tucker did that in two years. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: yeah, Mel, Mel's Mel's on the roller coaster for sure. But I think it's it's this is a year where you kind of, I think, need to prove to people that – you know that you have a that you can build it back up that it wasn't just this one group of players this one you captured a moment you didn't in get time. lightning in a bottle you're yeah. you're, you're
1: coaching acumen is good enough to sort of take you through multiple classes um and and you know assistance and all that that you could put those things together multiple times or, or you know
0: and that you can learn from some failures or adapt to changing circumstances like the portal and i mean like the, the portal is a fascinating one because for indiana on the i point, think the
1: portal absolutely helps indiana there's uh, uh, I, I mean to me there's no question. it hurts
0: when you lose Desan mccullough to oklahoma and aj Barner to michigan and that will always be a fight yeah. is you know can you can you get the NIL resources and the success on the field to keep some of those guys but it helps to your point when you need to rebuild a position group and you can go out and you can get a whole bunch of dudes that have you know athletic level and body type that you just don't normally get because you're looking, you know, they're looking for a new home just at the right time that you're looking for an Anthony
1: Jones Cause you weren't getting a, or e. a L Carr. E.J. Williams is a perfect example. There's no way E.J. Williams is coming here out of high school. No. And so you have a chance to get a guy. Maybe he's a bust. I, I mean, we'll see this year, but, I mean, he has a, a lot of upside. He just wasn't able to get a Clemson for whatever reason. Um, you know, he's a perfect example of a player that uh, could really elevate a program like Indiana where you just had no chance in at high school. But now – I mean, you have to, you know, obviously, guys that are media, you know, super successful, you're not going to grab. But there's guys that, for one reason or other, just didn't have success at the previous program. Does not mean they won't have success here. And you can establish,
0: look, like the, I mean, the optimistic side of this is you can establish a reputation that a says, pipeline almost of like we're we're good yeah, at this. Yeah. You you know, come play for us because we know what we're doing when we talk about the portal, and we know what we're doing and in terms of and like. Listen, a big part of Tom Allen's thing is the bond he builds with players. And I know that when coaches are struggling, like this is I always I hold Kirk Ferentz up as the example of this. When I was winning, everybody loves to talk about how Kirk Ferentz has been there forever and it's the Iowa culture and look how calm he is. And Iowa's just this you know, all business, no nonsense program. And when I was losing, it's why won't Kirk show any fire? And the offense was developed in the stone age and this program is going to be left behind by history. Like you will always be viewed through the lens of, of whatever level of success or failure you are currently having. So I understand when people roll their eyes at the time on the LEO stuff, but like it connects with these kids. I mean, it does it, and it matters to them and it's stuff that it's big stuff. Like the, the story that's kind of gotten around the Philip Bleedy's wife um, having complications with their pregnancy and Tom Allen going to be with her in in, in the hospital because he was in Texas because he couldn't, they couldn't have their daughter here because she couldn't go in the hospital so they had nowhere to take her so we had to take her back to family in Texas and then come back. It's stuff as small as like, you know, I mean I remember that uh, Indiana had a, a wide receiver named Wick, Nick Westbrook who's with the Titans now who was recruited by the previous staff and his mom like literally told me a story, One, like just, just said flat out like when You know, the coaching change happened. Nick Westbrook was absolutely one of those kids who's very talented but probably never would have been recruited by Tom Allen, Did just a different kind of receiver for a different offense. And she said, you know, you heard all this stuff about LEO and you're thinking, is this just another coach? It's just another catchphrase. And she was like, it absolutely wasn't. When he tore his ACL, they were there for him every step of the way. Even his stuff as basic as, like, he needed to move apartments in the summer. And – Indiana's but, uh, calm down. Watch. Indiana's your, your watch did not appreciate. The Indiana's story. Indiana's special teams coach just showed up with a truck. Yeah, and was just like, "I'll help you move." And it's it's stuff as big and as small as that. And so that can play in the portal. Like that yeah. that can play when you need a guy. When you need to build those relationships quickly, and you need somebody to buy into you you and your ideas quickly. Being able to build those relationships can work, but you got to have success with it. It's yeah, like this, anything I, else. You've got to have And I wrote this before. I,
1: th- I think uh, teams like Colorado and Indiana – or a test case. I think people are paying attention um, because I think there is some a real, real difficulty of bringing a locker room together uh, in a situation where you're changing 40 players in one year in Indiana's yeah. case, or, I mean, 60 players, 70 players in Colorado's case. Um, but can it work? How quickly can it work? How well can it work? The, the, people are paying attention because, look, if it's successful, teams that are on Indiana's level are absolutely going to go this route instead of just relying um, – you know, because the, the the thought was, well, twenty five most years in, in high school to supplement with the portal. Maybe it's the opposite, and teams are going to follow that blueprint if teams like Indiana and Colorado have success with those transfers. Um, and so, I, I I it's an it's a intriguing sort of test for how well that can work. And and I think people, I think coaches, you know, it's copycat a copycat profession. Um, people are absolutely paying attention to that.
0: I'm reading your game-by-game game predictions right now. Do you want to spoil the ending for me and tell me?
1: I did six and six. I just split the baby.
0: Okay, so you, I mean, listen, uh, you asked a, uh, earlier, like, what's a successful season? I will always make at least some argument for the idea that it would have to be a pretty unusual set of circumstances for a reasonable Indiana fan to sit down and and have someone say it's five and six, and you're in, and you, it's Friday of Purdue week. Would you take that? I think most most years, most fans would take that.
1: I think this year you absolutely. Oh, I think take this that. year yeah. you,
0: I think you this year you absolutely would take that. And
1: because I, I, I mean, look, I, and I you know I didn't put we had I did bold. I would, you
0: don't have them beating Penn State at Penn State. No, I did,
1: I did, well, that was the thing. I, did, I had bold takes at the start of the week, and I did not include them making a bowl as a bold take, because I do think their schedule has some teams that are not very good. And so to me, those games are coin flips. A lot of them are at home. So like, I don't think six and six, I mean, if their quarterback play is terrible, then this six and six is going to look really bad. Um, And they're going to lose to Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. But, I mean, the rest of those games, uh, you know, I I think Akron and India State, you roll over. The rest of those games are very winnable. And so, you know, you lose all of them. Maybe you finish like you did a couple years ago and everything's bad. But, I don't know. I just think some of these teams are so bad. they are all got question marks, you know, in terms of quarterbacks. You know, Illinois, Rutgers, Michigan State. Michigan State lost their two best players after the spring in the transfer portal. (laughs) So I mean, like, are you gonna tell me like that? That game, you're feeling good. Like Michigan State's coming in, coming in here, and feeling good about that game. I so to,
0: I would love to like survey the average Auburn fan for their thoughts on Peyton Thorne before he transferred to Auburn, and then because <laughs> like there's this happens. I see this all the time in like the European soccer transfer window, where like a player is terrible. Like you're linked to a player that Liverpool were linked to a, a Portuguese midfielder named Matias Nunes. No one wanted him. And they're like, was, no, 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 no. He was oh, terrible. he's the greatest. Then guy. Manchester City weren't going to buy him, and suddenly it was.
1: Well, why didn't we buy him? Why, 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 where did he go? What were we doing? But so, like, Michigan State. I mean, that was as bad, I mean, because like the spring transfer window wasn't as busy, I think, as people thought it was. But they got crushed in it. They did. And so having to reset and that wasn't their, a great
0: team last year. And having to
1: reset their plans after spring camp. I mean, yeah. That's a good, uh, that's, I mean, that to me is a win. Uh, but I mean, you know, Illinois, Rutgers, like I said, even a game like Maryland, where, I mean, I think Tua gives them a real good, or t- Tula, you know, t- uh, Talia Tuckerfighter. Yeah, I can never say his name. But, um uh, you know, I think they have the advantage with the quarterback and being at home. It's not like Maryland can't lay a stinker. I mean, that, that team's been as inconsistent as anybody. My whole, for, my,
0: my, my, like, what holds me back with Maryland is Maryland looks primed for the season Indiana was primed for in 2021. Mm-hmm. And that, like, it just—I have seen not just Maryland, not just Indiana. I've seen Rutgers do it in this conference. I've seen Purdue do it in this conference. I mean, Purdue did it in Brahms' third year, where it's like, oh, it's Rondale Moore's back and all this. And I know Rondale Moore's hurt and they had injuries, but like it, it—you're it, never as far away well, from remember, come, going off the rails at, a, at programs like that in a conference like this as you think. I you covered are.
1: Virginia Tech, Josh Jackson transfer there. And he started that first three weeks of that season. They averaged like 56 points. They were on game day getting they were getting celebrated. Like their offense is amazing. And then the wheels fell off. I think they won one game the rest of the year. So it's like Maryland's not a program that, you know, is known for consistency. So I think you got a lot of that on the schedule. And so maybe it's an overly optimistic uh, view at six and six. But that's with, you know, if you can get average quarterback play, I don't think it's out of the question.
0: Like I said, um... I think.
1: If you were, what would your prediction be? Like five and seven?
0: I don't know if it'd be five and seven. I, 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 again, like I just, I come back to this and I pose this question to people all the time. I've used this example on this podcast before in previous seasons. Um, You know, would you take and do you think five and six going into the Purdue game? What I have said, I, I'm not quite there to be honest. I have said, when people have asked recently, I think the the most common off-season over-under on wins I saw for Indiana was three and a half. Um, I I would take the over now more confidently than I would have before fall camp. Because spring, some things were promising, but you're never really sure exactly what you're watching in spring camp. In fall, line play has impressed me both ways. I think... I think Bob Bostad's going to make a difference. I think some of these receivers, you talk about EJ Williams. You talk about Carter, the Fordham transfer. I think Cameron Perry's continued to come along. I think Omar Cooper's had some good moments. And the point is, you just at some point, you, if you just have enough talented wide receivers, two or three of them will filter up and make plays. I don't know if I'm ready to say five and six going into the Purdue game, but I'm probably closer to it than I was, you know, let's say July 4th.
1: Yeah, and it comes down to like coin flip games, uh, you know, you, you just you try to win half, right? And like, if you win half the season, I think you're, you're at what you're, the point you're talking about. And so they've had some bad luck in, in recent years in terms of losing one possession games. And Tom Allen talked about that a lot of Big, big Ten media days. So I mean, you figure they come back to, uh, to earth a little bit in that in that in that area.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, like it—it's also just—I mean, like to your point, like they in twenty-eight or twenty-nineteen, they won. Like they won by six at Maryland. They won by seven at Nebraska. They won in double overtime at Purdue. Um, Even the Ball State game, which they won somewhat comfortably, they were never dominant. Like they—they, I don't think they ever trailed Ball State. They certainly didn't in the second half, but they were never dominating, and they turned it over a couple times. And it just—it like it felt like they won every. The only sort of like close loss they had that year before the bowl game was they lost by seven to Penn State. And that was one where I think they were kind of more, if I'm remembering rightly, they were, it was more that they were kind of chasing the game by two scores, a lot of the afternoon and they get it within seven and Penn State would respond. And they still had, I think an opportunity at one point to, to drive down and tie the game and they couldn't. But the point, like all of the games that you would have looked at preseason, other than Northwestern, which was, that turned out to be a bottom out year for Pat Fitzgerald that no one saw coming. All the games you would have looked at in the preseason and said like, this is just a coin flip. They won every one of them. And that's how they got, not just to like six and six, but they got to eight and four. They got to the Gator Bowl. It wound up being this remarkable season. They were ranked at one point. It it ended a streak of like 28 years without a national ranking. Um, And it feels like, and then COVID, the COVID year was kind of its own thing, obviously. Right. It does feel like Not just coin flip games, but like injuries and bad breaks and stuff. The last two years have just kind of gone the other way. So maybe the law of large numbers is going to break for Indiana a little bit this year.
1: Would fans rather have the six and six season or like a four and eight season with a win over Ohio State or Michigan?
0: Yeah, see, that's, I think probably six and six. I I mean, I think now let's imagine a world where you go five and seven, but maybe like they, they just struggle the first like four weeks of the season, but then they beat Michigan on the road and they win their two trophy games and they clearly finish the season. Uh, you know That like, would be,
1: I mean, that's a, a the, kind the, the, of an ideal. Yeah, yeah like yeah, that, yeah. that
0: would be like, I think that would be one where everybody could make their peace with like. It's, I'm just saying it's you have a bunch of bad and losses and
1: your, your only good win is against one of those two teams with that season feel? Yeah, I think, no, I think, problem, I think, I yeah. think
0: other, the other part of this, I, I am not someone who thinks that bowl games matter a ton. In the grand scheme, like you know, right. to tell me who won the Alamo Bowl three years ago, like if, if your team if you're if the team you cheer for cover didn't play in it, you don't probably don't remember. I don't. I certainly don't remember. Um, but this program hasn't won one since 1991. So like, I mean, everybody always, there is something. Too. Everybody yeah, always yeah, jokes yeah. about like not wanting to go to the bowl game in Detroit the day after Christmas. But like at this point, Indiana could just do with winning a bowl game and just saying we want a bowl game. I mean like, that's it is a sign
1: of a progress as a program to to not have a streak like that at TNA. Yeah,
0: yeah, like turn that over to somebody else. I think the I think the team that um was like not ranked for the longest in the Big Ten after Indiana finally broke that ranking streak was Purdue. And so it's just like, well here, this is
1: this is your problem this is now your like this is, to carry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah. I mean it's it's also like the schedule thing and, and we're kind of going long here and I don't I don't want to keep it forever, but It's also the schedule curiosity where like Purdue's played Ohio state like twice in the last nine years and Indiana plays them every single year. And you're going to lose that after this year. But now all of a sudden you don't know what's coming in on the other end because of the four Pac-12 schools coming in instead of just the two. Um, I think you'd rather just be a team that can, you know, if you make a bowl game, suddenly it's not, oh, you won six games in the last two years. Suddenly it's you've been to five bowl games in nine seasons. Yeah. And, you know, and suddenly you're one of those and and you're young, you're going to get a lot of these players back in theory next year. And if you could do it again, then all of a sudden you start to be able to sort of pitch yourself as something more closely resembling Northwestern or, you know, like a a, like a Kansas State in the Big 12, like a program that maybe doesn't go crazy very often, isn't going to be in the playoff conversation. But hey, they're going to win their rivalry games a lot, and you're going to be in the postseason. You're going to be in the bowl games. That gives you a pl- a, a platform to stand on, in a way that I don't know that like beating Michigan at Michigan, yeah. you know. Oh, you ruin their season or you ruin their day. But at the end of the day, it's th-
1: fleeting. Whereas the, the yeah, other stuff th- is they're more. still in the
0: playoff conversation, and you're still going home at Thanksgiving. So I mean, yeah, I think five and six going into the Purdue game, sure, why not? Yeah,
1: so you're around there, so it's not crazy.
0: No, I yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that were the result. I yeah, wouldn't yeah. be shocked if it were six and five. I wouldn't be shocked if it were four and seven. Yeah, you know, that's I mean, kind of like, how it's, it's, I feel.
1: It's like I I went with six and six place, and I just sort of split it down the middle, where I gave them half the games, where you know, and and I think there's reasons why they could win and lose each of those. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean. I said it could look really bad if their quarterbacks just stink. I mean, that that that'll be a fun podcast when we revisit it, but or maybe not fun. But. Again, weeks
0: two through five, I think, are really important for this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Indiana State, Louisville, and Indy, Akron, and then Maryland at Maryland. Yeah. So I don't think Indiana's ever, in since divisional realignment, Indiana has never lost to Maryland and gone to a bowl. That is like that has always. Well, they've been, had like the
1: best rivalry of anybody the last five years. Like the all five games have been. Or, they, yeah, they've always all been one possession games close. and come yeah. out of the last. You know, they've
0: they've they have they have consistently. um They've beaten Maryland every single one of the years they've been to a bowl game, and they have never lost. They've lost to Rutgers and gone to a bowl. But for whatever reason, like Maryland has since the divisional That's realignment the been like, the, been gotta like be, the swing game. You've
1: got to be better than Maryland. That's yeah. the standard.
0: Make Ralph That's Region. The- make Ralph Region cry. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mind Your Banners for August 24th, 2023. We'll be back next week with some sort of Ohio State preview. Um, maybe I'll get Bill Rabinowitz on here. Get his get his mother bear's order. Um, until then for the Bloomington Times, the Indianapolis Star. Thank you so much for listening to Mind Your Banners. We will talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human
1: remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula.